Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, following the truth wherever it leads, exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites, revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality, coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Strange Planet. Thank you for sticking me in your ear. On this episode, we are going to go on a, a thrilling journey across the wilds of the Lone Star State, one of my favorite places, the great state, the great republic of Texas, where true tales of the Texas Bigfoot may surprise you and even shock you. They say, of course, that everything is bigger in Texas, and if so, this may well be the state's biggest and most unexpected mystery of all. The new book from Lyle Blackburn is called Texas Bigfoot, History, Legends, and Modern Encounters in the Lone Star State. And of course, we know Lyle from uh, coast to coast in this program. Lyle is a native uh, Texan known for his work in writing, music, and film, and he's the author of several acclaimed books, including The Beast of Boggy Creek and Sinister Swamps, whose subject matter reflects his lifelong fascination with legendary creatures and strange phenomenon. He's also the founder of the rock band Ghoul Town and a narrator, producer of the documentary films such as The Mothman of Point Pleasant and Boggy Creek Monster, and a great pleasure to welcome back Lyle Blackburn. Hey, Lyle, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, we almost I almost forgot your uh, wonderful podcast, Blackburn's Monstro Bizarro. First of all, how do we listen? Uh, well, it's on most, you know, wherever you get your finer podcasts. Uh, you can get it on Spotify and, and Apple and, and all those places. Fantastic. All right. So... Um, Texas Bigfoot, how far back do we have reportings of Bigfoot in Texas? They go back pretty far if, you know, uh, you know, go back to when there was reports of so-called wild men or wild women. And in fact, there was a story from around 1836 called the wild woman of the Navidad in which residents in and around the small town of Hallettsville along the Navidad River in East Texas began reporting that they were seeing what looked like strange human-like footprints uh, coming out of the woods, a couple of sets of those, and then eventually spotted an upright hair-covered person or creature that in the nomenclature of the time, wild man was sort of the equivalent of Bigfoot. So they proceeded to uh, encounter this entity over a period of eight or nine years and you know hunting parties tried to lasso it and capture it and it it ran off and and they never could catch it so that's kind of the earliest tale on record and then there there's others from the uh, late 1800s that talk about similar things that we could perceive as possible bigfoot um so it's pretty early and and like most places in in the u.s uh those kind of tales exist and is it true as they say everything is bigger in texas is bigfoot reportedly bigger in texas what sizes are we talking about well you know it's actually just uh sort of the ubiquitous size reports anywhere from six to 
seven feet tall is the average you know of course sometimes you get eight or nine feet tall reports or juveniles that are smaller but uh you know kind of consistent with with everything else any other um distinct distinctions separating it from uh bigfoot in florida or the pacific northwest or the uh, the App appalachia um you know some some of the reports um detail a more aggressive creature um sometimes it, it will uh, bluff charge or threaten or appear very ominous in a way some of them are described as being more hairy or you know uh, more unkempt i i think than some of the reports in the pacific northwest for example um, and even some of them are somewhat like the whole vibe of the skunk ape or swamp ape where they're a little more ape-like um, but i find in general that just there there's not a a very good consistency to the sightings and of course these things can be brief and uh quick and unexpected so naturally so where you're not there to examine um but i i, I find that uh Texas is kind of a surprising place for Bigfoot, but what we do have here fits very well within, you know, the realm of other Bigfoot reports. Well, Texas is so, this is one of the, one of the th reasons I, I love Texas. It's like its own separate country and it has, it's, you know, different, wildly different terrains. You've got desert, you've got mountains, you've got heavily forested areas, uh, you've got swamps. Um, so are Bigfoot sighted or have Bigfoot been seen in all of these various areas or do they tend, are there clusters like in the, in the forest areas or in the swamps or maybe are they seen in the deserts? Well, there, there are sightings in, in the more unexpected terrain. And of course, you know, people who've driven through Texas or and so forth realize there's a lot more to the ecology and landscape than sort of that cowboy motif and certainly there's a you know the central portion of texas is a little bit more wide open um clumps of trees and uh, all that and then as you go west towards new mexico it does get very arid and more desert like the eastern portion which is probably a third of the state is known as the piney woods and that's very uh, heavily forested um you know, pine forest, hardwood habitat, um, and even some swamps, which is kind of surprising for Texas. Um, the majority of the sightings would be clustered in the piney woods or in those swampy areas. Um, but there's a pretty good history of sightings and some notable newspaper reports from the central portion of the state. And on occasion, there's even sightings like in the panhandle, which is very open, um, and all the way over to El Paso, which is very, very much a desert-like terrain. Um, so as I researched this over the years, you know, I was surprised of how many reports there were in places we wouldn't normally associate as, you know, with Bigfoot or Bigfoot habitat. Uh, coloration, uh, black, reddish brown, all of the above? Uh, typically, you know, brown to dark brown to black. I mean, that would be probably 95% of it, but... Uh, you do have other colors, um, occasionally the reddish or blondish gray. And there's been some even famous cases, such as the Lake Worth monster case of the 1960s, 
where people reported a white-haired creature of some sort, um, which occasionally you get that. But uh, that was one of the most famous tales from uh, 1969, actually near Fort Worth, Texas, near Lake Worth. And I was born in Fort Worth um, of this creature that was, again, very aggressive and, and approaching people in an area which was in and around Lake Worth, was kind of a lover's lane hangout, um, very wooded area back then. Even though it was close to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it was there was no uh, significant development out there at the time. And this was covered in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram papers and and so forth, and, uh, you know, kind of became a, a very well-noted local legend. And in that case, uh, people said the creature had white hair. Wow, I've got a, a white-haired, uh, well, he's a Yeti behind me, I guess, an abominable snowman, but uh, which would make sense, you know, in the Himalayas, it blend in with the snow, but a white Bigfoot in, uh, in the Fort Worth, the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area, that would stick out like a sore thumb. Do you think it w was it an albino? Well, it's possible. I mean, you know, and if we kind of consider these creatures to be anything like like we are, you know, of course, there's so many variations in hair color among humans um, and even, you know, albino, uh, you know, people's hair turns white. I mean, these kind of things. So it's conceivable that that a creature like that uh, could could have the same condition or could be old, older, um, perhaps. And, you know, one thing I noted about that is that, you know, that that was kind of famous in the papers and and everything. But over the years, I've come across a few witnesses who would who would tell me that they had seen something similar or perhaps their father. One woman said that she, her father had seen something about uh, 10 years prior in a location that's pretty close to Lake Worth. And he described seeing something that he said looked like a white ape. And of course, this would have been in the 50s where there was kind of no concept of Bigfoot here in Texas. Absolutely. Um, so he, for him to even say he had seen something like a white ape was very odd. And so when the woman told me that, I was like, well, you know, there you go. It's kind of like where you find one cluster or sort of a famous uh, flap of sightings there's always more possibly that weren't reported or, or wasn't on record that kind of corroborates it. Any photographic evidence from the Lake Worth monster? There actually is. There was uh, November 19th, 1969, uh, a resident by the name of Alan Plaster was driving along Shoreline Drive there near Lake Worth when something popped up um, just on the side of the road in the trees and he had a Polaroid camera and had the wherewithal to somehow get a picture. And this, you know, it, it's sort of like a bit of a ubiquitous blob squatch because the thing was moving, whatever it, it was, and it looks a bit fuzzy or cloudy. But you can definitely see a white, upright something there. And with he, he's been interviewed by the Fort Worth Star-Telegram paper and others over the years. Uh, and just stood behind the fact that something stood up over there. He took a photo. So um, I don't believe it was a hoax or something he, you know, he created or purported. He was lucky enough to get the photo. And if you consider that photo being in 1969, that's kind of one of the earliest and kind of one of the best Bigfoot 
type creature photos um, that exist, certainly of that time. Just two years after the Patterson-Gimlin film. Right. Mm -hmm. What about newspaper accounts uh, from, I don't know, the, the 19th century uh, or early 20th century? Any accounts of ranchers complaining about livestock being attacked or, or eaten by a Bigfoot? Uh, you know, you do get that. Um, I, I don't have any really good um, newspaper articles that talked about any significant amount of that. Um, sometimes that would be mentioned in relation to people seeing some strange creature and maybe they would say, well, yeah, you know, one of my cattle disappeared. Uh, but there wasn't anything that was, uh, you know, major. No, no sort of chupacabra thing where, you know, you'd find numerous livestock uh, killed for no reason. Um, so I, I think it was just one of these things where people would cite something and then they would kind of conjecture that other things may or may not be related. Um, they've been known to take down a deer, chase deer. Um, and um, any any reports like that? Uh, I get well. They have deer in Texas, but they also have uh, antelope and things like that. Any of those types of reports? Uh, yeah, there's there's often uh, reports of where people say they've either found deer carcasses or they have seen the creature, um, you know, presumably chasing a deer. Uh, there was a really good report where I talked to a a witness or a guy involved where. Uh, one afternoon he heard uh, his hogs squealing in his pen and looked out the window and saw this seven foot tall hair covered thing standing on two legs reaching over and literally grabbing one of those hogs picking it up right over the fence and you know he didn't he just didn't even know what to think and this was back in uh the 1980s and you know he of course, goes to grab his gun and, and go out there, and this thing took off running um, and dropped that hog. But he said those hogs were, you know, uh, lively <laughs> animals and, and not something to be trifled with. And this thing was just literally picking that heavy thing up and, and about to pull it over the fence. And and therein, a, a few other guys showed up, and they found, you know, five-toed footprints where the thing had been standing and then proceeded to talk to some of the neighbors who had also said they had seen weird footprints around their house. Um, and even one of the universities in East Texas came out and cast the track. There's a picture in my book, um, which is quite a good looking uh, track. And so therein, you know, you have a witness literally seeing one of these things, um, you know, picking up a livestock. Uh, any reports of um, missing people uh, or people who claim to have been kidnapped or taken by a Bigfoot? No, I, I didn't come across any of that. You know, I mean, you've got those kind of classic tales um, out of the Pacific Northwest where you have mm -hmm. kind of the kidnappings and things. Uh, no, nothing in Texas, um, you know, or of anything like that. I mean, you've got a lot of shooting at them type incidents. Um, which I guess it seems cowboy-like, uh, a response that may be very uh, stereotypical Texan, uh, but no, no abductions. Anyone claim to have 
um, hit Bigfoot, maybe injured or killed a Bigfoot? There, there was a story, uh, in fact, and th this was kind of made famous on Coast to Coast back when Art Bell uh, was the host, but a, a gentleman calling himself Bugs called in and said uh, he had actually shot and killed one of these creatures, and this had occurred in the panhandle of Texas, so up in the northern part where again that's a place that's it's very wide open and not a place where you think these creatures would even be sighted uh, you know perhaps they, they could be uh, passing through but anyway he said uh one evening they they spotted this creature and at first they took it to be a bear but as it as it got closer they they could see it was not and fit the description of a bigfoot and for whatever reason the guy shot it and it it was uh, injured enough to where it crawled off into what he said was sort of this um, brush where they had built sort of a, uh, presumably a, a house or a shelter. And he, <laughs> he went after it and crawled up in there. And there he was confronted by a second one, uh, presumably the mate. And the other one was, he could see was deceased. And then he shot, shot at that one. Um, and and killed these bigfoots and then supposedly buried them along this creek and he had called into coast to coast and talked about this a couple of times and of course this became big news and a lot of people were trying to figure out where it was because he wasn't giving away the uh, exact location and um, you know not surprisingly the bodies were never found the guy never really revealed that and uh, it remains kind of a mystery but uh interesting that somebody would report killing some and then uh, just just that whole case was strange any um any what about law enforcement and or the um the texas rangers do they have any encounters any stories to share there's a few and you know if you you can get some of these well park rangers and other guys to kind of off the record talk about it but there was uh there's a newspaper report, in fact, from uh, the southeast portion of the Piney Woods in Texas, where a woman called the police, you know, all panicked and said someone was trying to break into her house through the back door. And the police responded. Uh, several officers went out there. And, of course, presuming this was a human, they they could see where somebody tried to get in and look like uh he or she had ransacked this woman's porch uh, entryway in the back. And as they were kind of looking around, suddenly they caught sight of this big, hairy, upright figure running from the house area towards the woods. And several of these police officers saw it, and they kind of pursued it a little bit away into the woods before they became uncomfortable. Um but, you know, this this again was was on record and they said, you know, they <laughs> they didn't have a heart to tell the lady that they had seen this. They just said they had taken care of the problem and they don't they didn't think that uh, uh, the, the, the perpetrator would be back. But that was an interesting story. And again, one where you would find credibility if it's being reported by law enforcement. Absolutely. Texas Bigfoot, history, legends, and modern encounters in the Lone Star State. Lyle Blackburn stays with us. Back with more of, of our conversation in uh, two minutes.
This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? You're listening to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And we are back with writer, musician, filmmaker, Texas Bigfoot is the latest, Lyle Blackburn. Um, oh, let's talk about um, uh, Ghoul Town for a moment, your, uh, your rock band. How would you describe your sound? We're kind of unique. The, what I tell people is kind of a crossroads between Johnny Cash and Rob Zombie. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, kind of a, a dark Western, got a lot of Texas vibe, you know. Um, and we can range from anywhere from, uh, you know, cowpunk type things to heavily spaghetti Western influenced Western type rock. So it, it's definitely something where you you almost have to just listen to it and say, ah, oh, yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> and you've got um, well, you're on the road a lot. You were um, let's see, you were in um, Leesville. Louisiana, end of March for the Bigfoot Road Show. You were in Hastings, Nebraska, just a couple of weeks ago for the Nebraska Bigfoot Conference. Uh, end of April, the uh, Folk Monster Festival in Arkansas. Uh, coming up later this month, the Texas Frightmare Weekend in Dallas. Texas Frightmare Weekend. That sounds like fun. Tell me about it. What goes on there? Yeah, that, that's more of a horror convention, and it's local to where I am, and I've been a guest at that many years. Um, and that, that has a lot of celebrities from horror movie um, fame, I guess. John Carpenter is a featured guest this year, um, of course, Halloween and the thing. Um, you know, an assortment of guests, and I, I kind of fit in somewhere in there, you know, um, with spooky tales and uh, being uh, being in Ghoul Town. You know, Ghoul Town has actually performed there. Uh, in the past and so that's always a fun one attracts a huge huge crowd here in dallas so it's always fun to uh to be a part of that uh and then later on in june you've got the the monster fest in canton ohio uh west virginia bigfoot festival and finally later this fall the great lakes paranormal con that's in uh glen beulah wisconsin um back to uh texas you want to share maybe a, a favorite story from the book a favorite uh, scary encounter yeah yeah there's 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 so many of those um one of the one of the spookiest ones i suppose uh involved a hunter who was right there on the border between texas and louisiana along the sabine river and the sabine river has 
numerous tales of creatures dating back many years and something the locals called the Sabine thing. Uh, but this hunter uh, was out. Uh, he was going to do some hog hunting there along the river. And to access the place where he was hunting, he had to take a boat over there. And he was out there just before sunrise. And he threw some scraps over there to uh, track the hogs, some, you know, some um, vegetables and what have you. And uh, as the sun began coming up, he could hear some hogs rooting around and coming coming in towards the bait area. And he was up in a tree stand. And he said as he was waiting, you know, patiently watching, he caught sight of something uh, to his right that was kind of moving between the trees. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, what is that? And it, it would kind of just sort of stealthily crouch behind a tree and then jump to the next tree and kind of move closer and closer as it was converging with these hogs. And so he looked through his scope and he realized that this thing was a hair-covered, bipedal creature that stood six or seven feet tall and it was moving very silently adeptly through the woods and when it got close enough to those hogs the hunter said that it literally just in one leap leaped over there grabbed one of those hogs and just threw it against a tree and killed it and uh, you know of course the rest of the hogs screamed and ran off into the woods and the hunter, and this is a this is a guy I, I interviewed personally. Uh, he, he said that you know he he just didn't know what to do at that point. He said that thing just went over there and pounced on the hog and and then picked it up and it stood up and he thought, okay, well this thing is just going to go off in the woods and I'm just going to let it go. He said, but the scariest part of it was that he was looking and this thing just stood up and looked right up at, at, in the tree stand right at the hunter as if I know you're there. And at that point, it kind of comes to that age old question of, well, why didn't you shoot it? And I, of course I asked him that. I said, well, why didn't you shoot this thing? Um, you know, what, what was your reservations or did you desire to even try? He said, well, I, I thought about it. And he said, you know, just after witnessing what it had done to that big hog, that he just thought, man, if I miss or I don't kill it or, or whatever, I'll I'll be next. And he said, I just couldn't risk it. He goes, but up and above that, he said, it just looked too manlike. He just didn't feel comfortable. And so I think people may think they're going to do something when they're in an encounter like that. But when it comes down to it and you're looking at this thing, you know, face to face, that's when you, you know, the reality of it sets in. And he said, uh, all of a sudden he heard a whooping noise come out of the woods and this thing kind of whooped back, picked up the hog and just walked into the woods. And he stayed up there about 45 minutes before he would even get down from the tree stand and sort of run for his truck. Uh, so that's that's pretty chilling and kind of uh, telling in that this was a rugged, very skilled, experienced hunter. Uh, the fear he probably had as he, he looked at this thing. So he's way up in a tree in a tree stand. Are they adept at climbing trees? I've, I've, I'm not sure that I've heard of uh, a Bigfoot being seen climbing a tree or seen in a tree. There's not very many reports of that. Um, the the ones I've heard, and there was even one in Texas where uh, a guy would report seeing 
what he would presume to be either a very juvenile Bigfoot or some some people say they saw a monkey, you know, or something like that. We don't have monkeys, quote, monkeys here in Texas. So that that's strange in itself. But um, yeah, you, you really don't get a lot of reports where, say, the Bigfoot just goes and scales a tree or anything like that. It's uh, a small one is seen in a tree, if at all. Although they have been known to bring a tree down. I mean, if I suppose if it's small enough, they could, he could have shaken the tree <laughs> violently yeah. and uh, kind of whipsawed that uh, hunter out of the, the, the tree stand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and the people presumed there's stick structures and there's broken trees and, and quite thick trees that just are broken off with no explanation. Um, and so, you know, and, and wood knocks. So, you know, trees are seem to be a, a central part of, of the Bigfoot communication or marking territories, perhaps, but, but definitely not uh, so much as, as existing in them. They do like to rock, throw rocks, good sized rocks, boulders even. Any stories in the book about, uh, I don't know, people in a cabin being under siege and being pelted with rocks or anything like that? There's a few reports where people, you know, say that that these things threw rocks at them. Um, there's no, there was no kind of cabin story. Uh, you'd think that kind of would make sense, but uh, mostly it was just, you know, rock throwing um, stuff like that, which is scary enough. I mean, <laughs> something's throwing rocks, or even if you don't see it throwing rocks, I mean, there's not very many things that can throw rocks. Uh, humans and, and perhaps Bigfoot. So that's, a uh, you know, hard to explain. Um, there's, there's a good story, like uh, not a rock throwing, but there was one where I talked to a witness who had lived in, in the Dallas Fort Worth area back in the 1970s. He had a ranch along the Trinity river. And he said that, uh, one morning, it has been 1974. He said his dog drug up uh, like a leg bone out of the the river bottoms. And this was slightly decomposing. He said it looked like it was from the shin, from the knee and it had the shin and had the foot. And he first took it to be either a bear or a human. Um, but it had, you know, it was covered in hair. So he, he felt like it was an animal. But he said this thing was so big that the knee came up to his thigh, uh, very large, and it had five toes more of a human foot structure. And so this guy said, uh, you know, he didn't know what to make of it. And again, this is 1974. He didesn't know anything about Bigfoot. Uh, this is an old rancher out in Texas. And he called the uh, Dallas County police who showed up out there and looked at it and didn't know what to make. And he said they just sort of, took it and he said well let me know what what you think this is and of course as these go he never heard back and he didn't really think anything else about it until uh he, he saw the show finding bigfoot you know several years ago on television and he was that's when it sort of came to him that man maybe what i saw was a bigfoot because he didn't know there was anything like that in texas so 
I kind of found that as a credible witness because he's sort of starting at zero. He doesn't even believe in Bigfoot or even know. And he's just saying, this is what I found. Anyway, I sent a re- I, I sent a request over there to the Dallas County police with the guy's name and the year and said, do you have anything on file saying that somebody, you know, sent a unknown leg, leg bone? Of course, they sent back something so we don't have those files, but. Uh, the guy was very credible, and and that's interesting because people often say, well, "Where's the bones? Where's the body?" Well, right. could have been the leg right there, and it just disappears. Sit, sitting in an evidence box in a warehouse somewhere. Uh, another time out, and then back with more of my conversation with Lyle Blackburn, Texas Bigfoot. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. We're now crossing a zone of turbulence. Please return your seats and food trays to their upright position and make sure your carry-on luggage is safely stowed. You're about to leave everything you know behind. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Strange Planet. Texas Bigfoot, history, legends, and modern encounters in the Lone Star State. Lyle Blackburn is here. You're, uh, of course, perhaps best known for uh, your work with regards to um, the monster of Boggy Creek. And I wanted to ask you, um, is that, is the, the creature from the Black Lagoon, is that based on the Boggy Creek story? The creature from the Black Lagoon predated public knowledge of the Boggy Creek story. Uh, and the creature from the Black Lagoon, according to the producer, William Holland, uh, the inspiration for that came one evening as he was having dinner with a cinematographer. And this cinematographer was talking about a story of this sort of cryptid-like uh, aquatic merman-type creature from South America and said he heard tales where this had kidnapped um, people. And he said, that's where the idea came from, right? Just from that conversation. So it's kind of based on somewhat of a cryptid tale, you know, more, maybe more like a, a a lizard type man. Yeah, definitely. I, I would say it's more of a sort of a reptilian type. Like I said, it was aquatic, but it was, it was a bipedal creature that was, kidnapping women and so yeah definitely and uh but boggy creek is more more like a bigfoot isn't it yeah yeah definitely um so total southern bigfoot and and when the legend of boggy creek movie came out in 1972 that's kind of what put put it on the map that there was bigfoot cases that were occurring outside of the pacific northwest um, to the casual viewer, because, you know, of course, in 67, you had Patterson-Gimlin film uh, followed up in 72 by Legend of Boggy Creek, which at that time period really influenced or captured the imagination of, you know, young Bigfoot enthusiasts. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's very much, even though it's a swampy kind of place in, in southwest Arkansas there, it, it's a very much of a, a Bigfoot. That's the folk monster, right? Falk Monster, yeah. Falk Monster. The, uh, the town where that is seen was called Falk. And, uh, you know, it's really, you know, I'm from Texas. People a lot of times think I live in Falk because I've written so much about it. But really, I'm only about three hours away and uh, very close. And I'm in northeast Texas. And really, all that area 
that converges from northeast Texas, northern Louisiana, and southern Arkansas is part of that whole sort of piney woods area, and it gets very swampy there. So uh, you can almost conceive that creatures would live in and among there. And I mean, if I call them Texas Bigfoot because they're in Texas where it's over there and you call it the Boggy Creek Monster, really, I mean, it could be one and the same type of creatures if, they, if they're moving around or there's a population of them. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's not just sort of the boundaries that we impose. Uh, these creatures are just seen in and around when there's suitable wooded areas. Right, right. And then there's, uh, what is the, the creature in Missouri? Is that Momo? Right, Momo. Uh, similar case, early 1970s, um, <clears throat> wild newspaper reports, a rash of sightings. And in this case, the creature there was, you know, pretty much the ubi ubiquitous Bigfoot. But in this case, it was described as having hair that hung over its face and a pretty frightening encounters. And, uh, you know, my book on that was really in, I love those kind of cases, you know, classic Bigfoot cases where the whole town just got involved and it affected it. Uh, Momo being short for abbreviation for Missouri and monster, kind of a lovable kind of a name, Momo, but really a scary kind of creature. Right. Um, reports of missing dogs. Um, and also this, the, the Momo, uh, Momo is, uh, is it three-toed or four-toed or? There were some tracks found that uh, had three toes. And, and so that was another similarity almost to the Boggy Creek case because a lot of those uh, initial tracks that were found seemed to suggest the thing had three toes. And likewise, Momo, even though in both cases there was, there was other tracks found that looked like it may have four toes, you know, tracks don't always register perfectly. Um, but the three-toed thing kind of almost made it even more monstrous. Uh, getting back to Texas Bigfoot, we so often hear about Bigfoot in conjunction with UFOs or balls of light as if there's some paranormal or supernatural um, connection with, with Bigfoot. Anything like that going on in Texas? You know, there's there's not a lot of reports that sort of correlate those two together. Um, now, Texas has some some really classic and, and very strange UFO reports, and there's a lot of Bigfoot reports. But, you know, in, in the years I've interviewed people, um, there's very few times where you hear that. I mean, it, those kind of stand out uh, because, you know, they seem to put two, two strange anomalies into one. Um, but most, by and large, most of the Bigfoot uh, witnesses here and even the, the newspaper articles are, are just more simply, we're in the woods or we live on a ranch or, and we saw this big hairy upright creature that we can't explain. So there, there wasn't a lot of UFO involvement here. What about Bigfoot chatter? Do people ever report um, I mean, we're familiar with the, uh, you know, those, the howling and so forth. Um, I'm trying to remember the Bigfoot researcher. Was it, um, was it Moreland, Ron Moore, Moreland? He, he, re he recorded the, the Bigfoot chatter. He said it, they sounded like samurais. Oh yeah. Ron Moorehead. Moorehead uh, thank you. Like in the Sierra sounds. Uh, I've had a few reports where people said they, they heard what, 
they thought was some kind of language or communication. Um, so I certainly get howls. Um, I had a really good recording um, from a hunter who uh, heard this howl in what's known as the Big Thicket. And as you can imagine, the Big Thicket is a place thick with Bigfoot reports. Uh, it's in, it's smack dab in those piney woods. And he has a really clear and good howl um, that sounds very much like these Sasquatch vocalizations. Um, and only in a few occasions where people say they heard something that, that was more like perhaps communication with a language. And again, that kind of fits with the larger picture of Bigfoot because where, you know, you get, you get quite a lot of people saying they heard howls. You get a lot less people saying they heard anything that they would perceive as a language. Um, I don't, are you familiar with William Sheehan from Long Island? Um, Obviously, you know, no Bigfoot in Long Island, as far as we know. Uh, but um, he sort of catalogs reports and uh, Bigfoot encounters from all over North America. And, um, but he seems to um, hone in on um, encounters that involve um maybe some, some degree of violence, attacks, and so forth, because we have this, uh, this, this uh, view of Bigfoot of being these, you know, peaceful omnivores. Some people say, oh, they're, you know, they just want to be left alone. They're, uh, some, they're, some people even describe them as being, you know, empaths and psychic and all of this stuff. But we don't hear a lot of... of um, you know, uh, people disappearing in the woods or being kidnapped or being attacked or being, you know, killed or, or ripped, you know, limb from limb by Bigfoot. Um, what do you think? Uh, is that a more accurate portrayal of Bigfoot rather than the, you know, the, uh, the harmless hominid that's, um, um, you know, just wants to be left alone? Well, I, I think that it's more rare with the attacks. I mean, you know, if you, if you kind of search around and, and hand pick, you can find quite a lot of them, but in the, in the full scope of how many Bigfoot reports there are, which, you know, most, most of those are just brief encounters. I saw it run across the road or I was sitting by the road or, you know, came across the path, very quick encounters. Um, sometimes lingering, uh, like the the hunter that saw it kill the hog, um, so I, I think it's just we could perceive that as just like any animal. Uh, some are provoked um, for, by territory, or just they could just be predisposed to be violent. Um, and and those are sort of the rogue individuals. Um, there there is one story uh, that's quite quite scary um, from a place called Crook Lake in Northeast Texas from uh, back in the early 2000s of a woman who her and her husband were driving by the lake late one evening and they had a flat tire out there. And this is before sort of cell phones. They didn't have a cell phone. So he, he ended up having to walk back to town and she just stayed there in the truck and she was kind of dozing off and all of a sudden heard this this howl that startled her and looked up and saw three Bigfoots. What she said it was a male and two females walk up to the truck and the male 
started trying to reach into the driver's side window that was partially down and tried to grab her. And she fought with this thing and finally picked up a Coke bottle and hit it. And, and that was enough to kind of send it off. And she said it was literally trying to pull her out of the car and she was scratched up and she actually went to the hospital after this when her husband came back and (laughs) got this crazy story. Um, scary behavior but that you know that's sort of one example of of that that sounds totally violent and sounds really scary but there's hundreds and hundreds of other reports in texas where it's just simply i saw it it didn't approach me it just ran the other way do you ever have time to get out into the field and do any investigations I do. Yeah, I definitely do. Uh, and, and over the years, you know, I've been to a lot of states and a lot of areas. Um, and, and with the books, it's, you know, I can't really bring that reader there unless I can capture uh, the environment and, and and look look for myself. You know, people say they saw, you know, Bigfoot around this town. Well, what's around that town? Is there woods? Is there a place where these creatures could conceivably conceal themselves or flourish? Um, and, and so, you know, I will do that in the, in terms of in researching the books and then so I just love getting out into the, into the great outdoors. So I will just go and enjoy that and can also see a Bigfoot when I'm out double bonus. Any, uh, any close encounters, any, uh, any sightings for you personally? I've had a, several what I believe were close encounters, uh, stuff following, uh, something howling at myself and a friend of mine. And on one occasion, I saw what I can't 100% say it was a creature, but this was in the Boggy Creek area where I've gone numerous times over the last more than a decade. Uh, I saw something move between the trees, which was very large. Um, upright it was actually reddish in color and I saw it for maybe two to three seconds between these two trees and the upper portion of it I, I can't explain what else it could be it definitely wasn't a person it's it's not a place where people go this is in a bayou area it's it's not people's property there's no road um, and uh, the thing that really clinched it for me, trying to reconcile the red, the red color. Now there's been people that have reported that, but I was literally in the town of Falk just prior to that, 20 minutes before that. And one of the locals said he had seen the creature recently, and he said he thinks it looks a lot like an orangutan. Wow. And it was very orangish red. And he seemed perfectly credible. And I you know, took the report and all, and I know exactly where he saw it. I was in a different area and then boom, there I saw this reddish thing. So it was, it was pretty exciting. (laughs) And again, the size and an estimate on the size of the creature you saw. It definitely had to be big because I couldn't, where I saw it was across this bayou channel where there's a lot of alligators and I didn't have a boat when I was down there and just, we were just looking around and uh, so I couldn't go. But later I went across there and kind of tried to reconstruct the scene and tried to figure out how, what was the distance and how tall. And it was considerably taller than uh, my buddy who was kind of standing in for the Sasquatch, if you will. Um, so I would say seven, eight feet 
easily. That doesn't scare you, uh, knowing that you were that close to a creature that size? It doesn't make you hesitate, you know, the next time going out into the field? <laughs> Somehow it doesn't. Uh, that may be crazy, or I might be romanticizing this whole thing. If I was face-to-face -face with it, you know, I might say different. But I think it's one of those things. And again, you know, I've taken a lot of reports where, yeah, there's been some scary incidents, but usually the person is okay. And, and of course, I, I, I do go armed with a sidearm, uh, mostly to pr protect myself. There's a lot of wild hogs down there. There's cougars and other things. So I don't even think that would be effective against a creature that large anyway. <laughs> False comfort. But I, somehow I'm not scared. And I'm thinking, yeah, if I see that, it's it'll make, as long as I survive, it'll make a great story, right? Texas Bigfoot, history, legends, and modern encounters in the Lone Star State, Lyle Blackburn. Don't forget Blackburn's Monstro Bizarro podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, lyleblackburn.com. The link is in the uh, episode notes. Lyle, great catching up with you again. Thank you so much for this. Absolutely. Thanks. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday.